back to Women Making Moves, where we celebrate the moves that women are making. My name is Amy Pons. I'm a master certified life coach and a soul healer. I'm joined today with Alexis Mobley. After a 20-year client-facing career in technology across various Fortune 100 enterprises, Alexis knows what it takes to succeed in the corporate world. She's juggled multiple global software implementations and led teams, built processes and rigor within organizations, and dealt with her fair share of high-touch disgruntled clients, leading to her nickname, The Velvet Hammer. She is a structured thinker and an active listener. Now she uses those skills plus several more activating transformation in women who seek purpose in life, a move beyond their limiting beliefs, aka get out of their way, reconnection to self, and a strong desire to live free and empowered lives. Alexis holds a BS in computer science and an MS in executive coaching and organizational consulting and founded I Matter Coaching and Consulting in 2021 with the premise that Black and Brown women know it is okay to take up space in every sense of the word. Her mantra for life is, I'm not for everyone, and that's okay. You shouldn't be either. Alexis, welcome. Thank you, Amy. It is great to be here. As we're both laughing because my Alexa was just triggered by saying, welcome to Alexis. So I silenced her, and maybe I should do that more often. Although that's interesting the way I just put that. I don't want to silence anyone. That's the whole goal of this podcast. Well, and you silence Alexa, not Alexis. There. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that I silenced Amazon. Let's <laughs> I silenced Amazon in this moment. So uh, Alexis is someone that I have been a big fan of this whole year. And as I embarked on my corporate pivot, she's someone who I've been looking toward for guidance and just different kinds of things on her her takes, especially as I navigate my first year. It's been a year this week since I navigated away from my corporate journey. Thank you. And uh, so I look to you for so many good nuggets and things that come up for me, kind of the, the most amazing little coach Alexis. So Alexis, what are you up to? What moves are you excited to be making right now? And tell us a little oh. bit about, more about your work. So let me go in reverse order. I'll tell you about my work first because all the stuff that I have in the hopper, I am tired. Okay. So in a good way, in a good way, in a, in sure. a good way. So someone asked me like, how, what, what type of coach are you? Are you a life coach? Are you an executive coach? And I have never done well with labels. And so I still struggle what to define myself as. So I've settled on, I'm an executive life coach. It's the blending of both worlds. And from that perspective, what it means is the individuals that I typically work with are women executives or women who have at least 15 years within their specific domain of expertise. And they are now looking for something else, whether that something else is climbing to the next ladder within their career, whether that is stepping off the corporate path as both you and I have done, or if it, you know, whether it's defining what their purpose is, the net net is they're looking ultimately to get out of their own way because there are a series of hurdles and limiting beliefs that they have used as coping strategies thus far. And they realize that they are no longer working for them. And then I also work with them to reconnect with who they are because many of us throughout the years have had to mask or perform in ways that deviate from our authentic and we don't know who those, those individuals are. So what I'm excited about, oh my gosh, so many things. So first of all, next month, 
for the second year in a row, I am launching my pro bono giveaway. It was a resounding success in 2023. So I've decided to kick it off again for 2024. And that launches in November. And then I'm also excited about uh, the last hurdle of my minority women business owner certification here in New York, because it is a process, let me tell you. But again, it speaks to how I navigate my business with intentionality and purpose. All of the moves that I'm making are in support of driving my business to the next level while also uh, simultaneously being of service to people, giving back to people. I'm also excited about the completion in two weeks of the Cornell Women Business Program. It's a certification program for women business owners who are entrepreneurs. They're offering tools and skills, networking opportunities, community building opportunities to navigate with other women who are either in infancy stages of their businesses or in five plus years of development within their organizations. And then finally, the NASDAQ program, another women business entrepreneurial program that I'm in that wraps up in December. And that one, graduation is my face will be on the Jumbotron in Times Square. And when I tell you I'm excited, I am excited. Will you send me a picture of that? <laughs> oh, I will. That I am going to perform on LinkedIn. Yeah. Everyone will see that. Yes. Okay. You have a lot. I have one more thing that I'm doing. Oh. I'm working towards my ICF PCC certification. Queen. In addition right. to working, like coaching actual clients and then coaching on a digital platform. Are you okay? Are you resting? Are you getting <laughs> enough sleep? Are you eating well? Like I'm more, I want to like, are you okay? <laughs> like, how do you, what? Now I laugh, but that is a very fair question. And I will say, <laughs> yes, I am. So okay. I have earlier this year, I don't think we, I think in 2023, we're more candid about this now than we ever have been. But in 2023, I negotiated with my therapist a way to focus exclusively on me. And so Wednesdays are my, I call them my Wednesday oasis days, which is the break in the middle of the week where I do no work. Now, yesterday is Wednesday and we are talking and I am working. So apparently I am breaking my own rules and that's okay. That's okay. There's flexibility in there. But what that has afforded me is that space to care for myself. And then I've also baked in, this was through hitting a wall. At the end of every month, I take the last Thursday and Friday. So it ends up, because Wednesday is my o Oasis day, it ends up being Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, almost like a four-day vacation at the end of every week. So yes, I do have some systems in place that are helping sustain me. And I've also recognized once my threshold not has been reached, but when I'm close to reaching it, when it's time to dial it back. So I've become more mindful of not allowing myself to hit the wall <laughs> before I hit the wall and disintegrate into nothingness. So you yes, know what to look for. You know what to all look that's, for. I absolutely do. All that to say, yes, I am okay. I was like, oh, I need to fly to New York and, and like, 
and make sure Alex is okay. What's going on? So, and, and I resonate with so many things that you're saying and I'm heading toward my ACC. So I know exactly what PCC means and you're a superstar, of course. You're doing so many things. And as you talked about the women that you serve, it resonates with me so much. There's a couple of questions I want to ask you based on that. So one of the things that I felt too is I find it limiting to call myself a life coach. I help people get through any energy that might be stagnant to the other side of what feels good for them. And that Mm. seems pretty broad. We hold safe space for people to navigate into their heart what their minds might not be letting them tell them. And one of the things I'm finding interesting and I want your thoughts on is the women that I talk to in those executive places that you specifically serve, it's not only that they're looking around and they're like, ooh, I want a little bit more. It's almost like the women that are getting to those places where they're so well-intentioned in some of these organizations, maybe they're in the executive part, they're in the C-suite, they still maybe aren't able to make the changes they want to make toward bringing humanity back into the workplace because they're mm-hmm. still having to play the quote unquote game mm-hmm. else, else their, their jobs on the line or their well being's on the line. So is it that what's happening paired with the fact that they want more out of life and that there may be, we, we know that as women, the older we get, we kind of, we don't have fucks to give, but it's, is it that paired together or is it, what is that? What are you finding? <laughs> I think it's yes. And it's yes. They are at a, a certain level because, and, and I've seen it with folks as young as 36 mm. and they are looking 40 in the face and they're like, wait a minute, what is happening? Is this all there is? And how do I want to show up differently when I hit that particular milestone? And it, it's also being in spaces that may never have been designed for you and you taking stock of, hey, is this how I see the next however many years of my career? Do I want to continue to invest in this level of inauthenticity as it relates to who I am showing up in response to who they are? Or do I want to do something differently? And I will say that, you know, a lot of the women who work with me initially They've heard of, quote, coaching as an umbrella, but they may not have understood what coaching meant. And so when they get to work with me, I have heard this repeatedly. Alexis, I didn't know I needed you. Like, I knew I needed something, but I didn't know I needed you. And while I appreciate that sentiment, I am not the coach who is looking for that accolade that says, my coaches, my clients are looking to me to be their savior, to be their hero in their life. I said, my responsibility is to hold the mirror up to you to help you discover what's inside. I simply reflect back what I hear you saying. We lay it out on the table and we figure out what the hell do we want to do with it? And guess what? It's okay if you don't want to do anything with it. But now that it's out, you have an opportunity, you have awareness to choose into what you want to do or not. And so I think a lot of women have decided that something needs to change, whatever something is. And as a result of coaching, they recognize that. And I've had many people tell me this. I thought I hated my job. No, I didn't hate my job. I hated how I was showing up at my job. And so once they have that perspective shift, 
it allows some people to to fall in love again with their role or make a decision that says, you know what, I love the work that I do, but not at this organization. Or I love what I do, but there's this other thing that's calling me as well. I want to do both. So I think it's it really truly is yes and. Yes and. And, and to use a classic coaching phrase, what I hear you saying is... <laughs> What I hear you saying is that these women are reclaiming their unique brilliance. And the fact is that I love that you said yes, and because I truly do believe in this moment, the workplace is fractured, fractured in the way that it was not designed with women and people of color in mind, full stop, period. Mm -hmm. That's, That's the fact. And the fact that especially women are now humanity overall, and this is my personal belief, that humanity overall, the divine feminine is calling to help us reinstate some of that nurturing, caring piece into the workplace where we've been living in the masculine for so long when it is just about the task at hand. I'll talk about the women that I serve that's very similar to yours is like restoring the balance between the masculine and feminine. And I love what you said. What struck me is that those women are like, wait, is it, is it that I hate the job or is it that to your point, they have to mask up because For me personally, I had to mask up every day for almost 20 years because I was being, and I'm going to use words that were actually given to me, I was being groomed to show up as a white man in the workplace. And that's how I had to do my job. Once I figured that out, I was like, oh, oh, I don't want to do that. And then further, I was like, and this work doesn't feel good. And the structures in place, the way that they have, you know, people in charge have have set us all up. We're kind of like, it, it felt like the Hunger Games. So I had to take a step back to your point. I love what you said about people don't really necessarily know about coaching me in the corporate space. I knew that directors and above got coaches paid for them for the company. And that's really what, that's all I knew about coaching. And now it's this beautiful new world where I understand that for me, coaching, we're the people that are filling the gaps where mainstream might've missed the mark Mm -hmm. in 2023. So that's kind of my, a couple of my thoughts. It's funny. I want to go back to something that you said about you were being the word given to you as you're being groomed to show up like a white male. And it's funny that you say that because my experience are similar, but for different reasons. Mm. So I, I was not groomed per se, but I had an understanding that. So let me take a step back. I have an undergrad in computer science. Mm-hmm. I have been or had been the only black person in my computer science department, the only black woman in my computer science department. I worked in the computer labs. I was often, even though I sat right at the front door of the computer lab at the little desk, overlooked and ignored because I couldn't possibly be the person, you know, that would help. And so I was always, for the most part, 99% of the time, the only black woman in these spaces. So Showing up as a white male was advantageous for me in that there were certain characteristics that were attributable to, quote, success in those spaces. And specifically, you know, the the phrase now is audacity. So that level of audacity that you needed to exhibit when I was coming up through the ranks was the qualifier for success. And if you did not ascribe to that, if you were anything except that, then you were othered and your skills were not 
considered as comparable to your white male counterparts. And so I took that to mean, oh, I have to give as well as I get. And that ultimately, you know, I think it goes back to what you were talking about relative to, you know, that masculine energy. I was very much the phrase that I I used to use in corporate all the time. You fall into two camps. You're either a shark or a Bambi and sharks eat Bambis. And I was very much a shark. Again, my nickname, the Velvet Hammer. I am very finessed. I am very personable with it. But I understood that those qualities of success, that audaciousness, that taking no prisoners type of attitude is what was required to show up and be successful. Now, coupled with the fact that I actually had skills, I was good at my job. I was good at client success, client facing endeavors. That was just a cherry on top. So my skills could back up that braggadociousness that was lauded as, oh, okay, she's one of us. Now, and it took me some time to appreciate that that was not who I was authentically. I am a nurturer by nature, but I recognize that my nurturing nature is reserved for people that I truly care about. Because you you said a phrase earlier about, you know, the workplace is returning to like human-centered focus. And I translate that to mean that we are now giving a damn about people again. We are really giving a damn about people. And so people that I give a damn about, like I see, I want to invest in, I want to pour into, that's when my nurturing nature comes out. This transition from corporate to coaching, I really struggle because I thought coaching was babysitting. And I didn't appreciate, because again, I had been a consultant. I had been a problem solver, logic, 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 heart work. What are you talking about? I had no concept what that meant. And I did not appreciate that I could marry both aspects of my personality. And it, it was a struggle initially because I was trying to fit my corporate persona into coaching. And what I began to realize is that it's okay to not even more. It's okay to set aside that corporate persona that's gotten me up to this point. Those skills I continue to use even in my coaching practice, but who I want it to be moving forward as a coach, as this different iteration of Alexis was much softer than what some people may have called me, the bitch that I was in corporate faces. Ooh, same. One of the things and I'm, you know, like I said, a year out, something you just said is like flooring me. Coming from the corporate world we, where we were high performers and translating that into owning our own business. And ooh, suddenly, I mean, it took me, it, it, in some ways I'm still trying to transition what it, looks like to go from a far right quadrant when they rate you. Oh as, yeah. With the four, yeah, yeah. With the matrix. Yeah. Matrix. Yeah. Going from that. And like, what is the, what in the world does that mean? In the world of coaching and my own business, I was used to the back to back, the deadlines, the productivity. Yeah. And yes. And some days I've really had to sit with myself and go inward and say, what does productive look like today? And especially in this moment where I'm recovering from surgery, it's like productive for me today looks like 
having this amazing conversation with Alexis and, you know, pushing it live later. And, but I flow easier now that it's almost a year out, but I hear you so much on what that meant. And I think I would have told you in my most staunch corporate executive days, I would have told you, Hey, nobody got time for some heartfelt, warm, fuzzy. Uh -uh. (laughs) We got stuff to do. It's funny. People are like, Amy, what are you talking about? Like bringing the feminine back into the workplace. I'm like, listen to me. I'm not suggesting that everyone sit on the floor and cross legs and and like (laughs) hold hands. And I'm not saying that. All I'm suggesting is that what could it look like to bring a little bit more of who you are authentically without your mask into your workday? And could that, and not even could, I know that would ensure the longevity of a business because you feel like you're part of something bigger, not just something that you go to physically, pour your brains out for eight hours and like go home and do, you know, what is that marrying? And other question that came up for me that I want to ask you is that when all these companies are saying, bring your authentic self to work, they don't mean that. They do not mean that. That is hot garbage, hot, a hot flaming pile of poop. Okay. <laughs> in the spirit of Halloween, I'm picturing what is that called when you light up? You bring the doorbell. Yes, yes. And throw it at the door. Yep. Alexis said that's yep. hot, that's hot garbage. Oh my gosh! Is it just like a blah blah buzzword? Is it the companies trying to get the feminine back in without actually getting it back? I don't even know. I'm going to distill it down into two words. Maybe yes, two words. Play acting. I want to be very clear. I don't want to paint a broad brush and say that all organizations suck. I'm not saying that, but but I want to be very clear that organizations, and I I count myself as an organization as well. And I talk about this on the Ask a Coach series as well. Organizations are in the business of making money. And once we level set on that, we understand the purpose behind their action. Because I said on the Ask a Coach session, this was about two weeks ago. As a coach, yes, I want to help as many people as I can. And I also want to make as much money as I can. The two can live and coexist simultaneously. But I find that with some organizations, there is this level of plate acting. So how many times have we seen an organization tout out, our website has our mission, vision, and values, and these are our ethos. But when you have conversations with people who work there, current, former, you look at their attrition numbers, you look at how they handle layoffs. It is the exact opposite of what they are touting as their pillars for corporate stewardship. So when I say it's play acting, I think many organizations believe to keep up with the Joneses, to keep up with their peers in the industry, we need to have on our website what everyone else has on their website. And we're going to conduct focus group to understand what our ethos are. But if every single one of your executive leaders are not modeling that behavior to their second line manager team, who are then not modeling it to their employees, and it is not top of mind day to day, you are play acting. And I want to be very clear. These are my opinions. Other people may feel differently, but I think when we look at organizations, the level of humanity that we would expect, it dives into the realm of, you said it earlier, it's that heart-based stuff. 
And if you have no connection to heart-based anything, or you feel that heart-based culture is hippy-dippy woo-woo nonsense, technical term right there, you're not going to see the benefit and the value add of creating these psychologically safe workspaces where people can show up as their authentic selves. Because again, organizations are in the business to make money. Machines, some machines, let's be clear, some machines do not care how their resources, or I'm sorry, what, what do they call them now? Capital. Since it's human capital management, how their capital feel, so long as the capital continues to produce the widget, unfortunately. You nailed it, that calling back in the divine feminine, and this is now my opinion, calling back in the divine feminine is not hippy-dippy, woo-woo, what have you. It is about creating psychological safety in the workplace And that is what I feel, especially based on my most recent experience is not prevalent and very few are doing it well. I actually, the, the former CEO of my last company asked me, how do I find the bad actors in this organization? I'm like, really? I was like, well, don't go to your reports. Don't go to their reports. Go down to the more junior levels that are managers, senior managers that are actually out there on a daily basis and are feeling what your regime is putting out, that's really where you get the information, not from these higher ranks that are expected to toe the line. I see you smiling. Because you're super sweet. You're super sweet in that you said, go down several layers. My response would have been, look in the mirror. Ah. If you can't see your behavior modeling these tendencies or traits that you say are in your organization, then the call is coming from inside the house. Right. You're right. You can't have a child that is, you know, this kind, loving person out amongst humanity when that is not behavior modeled in their home, modeled in the adults that surround them. So while I understand going to talk to folks who have firsthand experience, as the leader, what are you doing? Yeah. How are you showing up in a way that, again, aligns with what your website says? what your marketing team created to push out on your social media. Right. I love that, that response. And that's absolutely right. So I can have to back this all day with you. (laughs) Your self-care day. So we're going to move on to the next question. Otherwise I'm going to get off of this and we need you to have your day. Okay. So now I'd like to talk about a post that you made recently this morning. And I'd love to talk about the motivation of this like what was on your mind what was on your windshield when you posted and uh, I loved it so I'm just going to read it read it off and then we'll sure. talk. so don't you have enough an alleged question was posed to Shonda Rhimes in 2017 when she attempted to procure an additional Disney ticket for her sister black women directly and indirectly are told they are not enough while simultaneously being told they are too much make it make sense told they're Personalities are too boisterous or aggressive to align with the culture fit narrative, so they should shrink themselves. Accomplishments and educational credentials intimidate others, so they should downplay them. Hair is unprofessional, and they should change it to be and look professional. Audacious goals are too lofty, and they should be more realistic. Dreams are too big, and they should seek less. Complete and utter bullshit. 
Because someone is unable, uncomfortable, and unused to seeing Black women thrive in their element and essence is not your concern nor responsibility. However, it socializes some folks to shrink themselves, play small, and not appreciate the power of owning and using your voice. By ensuring everyone's comfort at your expense, you do a disservice to those before you and those looking to you as their model for navigating life. And in some instances, it leads to a belief that you are not a motherfucking force deserving of taking up as much space as the universe. So the next time anyone dares ask, do you have enough? I invite you to lean into four words. Hell no. And not ever. I love this post so much. And who, where does this come from? It comes from living in America. It comes from living in America. And, you know, I go back to, there's a Tupac quote. I was, I wasn't given, I was born in this world. I was given this world. And there have been instances, you know, throughout my career where I have been told that I'm asking for too much, that I should settle, you know, and going back to, you know, white male counterparts in technology specifically. And I can only speak of that industry because that's the one that I, I worked in. But it was nothing for, you know, promotions to be handed out like Kit Kats at Halloween, just tossing them out, come to the door, toss them out. But I had to prove over and over and over again. And I don't mean like, hey, you're rocking it. It's, well, have you jumped over this hurdle? Well, not this year, next year. Okay, well, you want this, but I don't see X, Y, and Z demonstrated. Correct. I have X, Y, Z, one, two, and three. Yeah, but that's not enough. And the narratives that even pre-social media, the narratives, you know, we can look to marketing campaigns. We can look in magazines. We can look at television commercials. There were not many people who looked like me who were striving for the level of excellence that I envisioned in my head. Now, thankfully, I had a Black mother who was very much not with the shit, okay? And she was very much about, hey, you need to define who you are. Otherwise, other people will define who you are. And you not having an understanding of yourself will believe their narrative. And that was not anything that I was comfortable with. And I want to be very clear. I didn't arrive at this place where I am in 2023 overnight, Okay, this this was a journey. And so that post is a culmination of all of the years, all of the experiences that I've had that I know many other black and brown women have had, not only in corporate America, but just being I can only speak from America because that's where I, I was born and raised. But that's the, the, that's been their experiences in the U.S. Case in point, we had to and it's not even enacted across all states. We had to have the Crown Act. So that folks do not discriminate about something that grows out of my head, my head, my scalp, the, the human skin that I have, it grows out of it a certain way. But because the label of professionalism is a construct made up by people, some people have decided if you don't look a certain way, then you are not professional. If you have all of these degrees and eh, that might that's too much. Oh, you're intimidating. You don't smile. Just the, the litany of BS that people have. And again, that causes people to shrink themselves. So going back to, you know, women who work with me, though they have accomplished all these things on paper, 
They are selling it. Dual degree, PhDs, you know, just at the top of their industry. And they are doubting themselves. Or as I, I tell my clients, they are playing in their own faces. Like, how are you with literally a PhD in microbiology telling me that you are struggling to find a job? And I don't mean because of the economic factors or you know, the, the market that we're in. What I'm saying is your lack of belief in your abilities colors how you show up in the interview and it colors the opportunities that you attempt to position yourself for. Because if you don't have a sense that, you know what, I can do hard things, I can do uncomfortable things, I can go out here and I can make X, Y, Z dollars. If you don't believe that, that's the energy you're going to transmute to the universe. And that is going to be attracted to you. You're going to get low ball jobs and <sighs> recruiters who stay playing in your face. And part of that is having those boundaries for yourself, not boundaries with, you know, in terms of, hey, I only want to work for this type of organization in this industry. It's boundaries for yourself to say, hey, I have 20 years of experience. I am not going to look at roles that are requiring five to seven years because I want to play it safe. And again, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying, hey, you don't do what you have to do to get a job. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that when you're looking for new opportunities, you are not trying to go to that next level if that's your desire by just doing a lateral move or even a, a regressive move because you're too afraid that you don't know how to, quote, do the job in this new role. That's part of the challenge, stretching yourself beyond where you are in order to grow into this new space. And you have this, this innate of what excellence is. How do you teach that? Or is it teaching? And for a black or brown woman who has shrunk themselves, is it about owning unabashedly who they are and, and is that what's going to bring them success when they send out in the universe like this is me you know what does that kind of work look like so it's not about teaching them what excellence is it's about teaching them who they are and by doing that it's number one it's holding a very safe space for them because many of the women that I work with it's been a long time if ever that they have 60 minutes focused exclusively on them and their needs. So step number one is having that, that space for them. And that feels uncomfortable for a lot of people because my coaching is high touch. We are meeting three times a month. So it's me and you on Zoom. We are looking at one another and I'm asking questions. I'm not, you know, taking you through a formula that says, hey, we're going to start here. We're going to end here. It's we're going to talk about things that you're experiencing. And I'm going to ask you questions about your perspective that cause you to examine whether that is true and truth from the perspective of is that a thought you believe or is that a thought you believe based on what someone told you to believe? So we, we try to get really clear on what they believe about themselves and what they know to be true about, about themselves. And if they don't know, then we start to build that database. I, I, again, I think in tech terms, we start to build that data dictionary for them. 
what does success mean for you? What does accomplishment mean? What does control mean? You know, we, we get clear on what these words mean and we have some uncomfortable exercises for people to start getting them outside their comfort zone. I saw this phrase before their self-trust thing so that they begin to trust that their thoughts and processes are the ones that they should be listening to. It's an evolutionary process that on the surface sounds like, okay, it's straightforward, you're talking. Yes, and, and I wanna be very clear, I tell my clients all the time, I'm not a magician, right? And so what we do in that 60 minutes is not the meat, the heart of the coaching. The coaching comes on the other side when you are reflecting on what the hell did I just talk about with Alexis? Oh my gosh. And then I provide my clients with a recording of the session, some tools that support them, action items, AKA some homework, but I also provide them with thought prompts, thought prompts based on the conversation that they think about to consider more deeply, again, based on our conversation. And that also allows them to go deeper to reflect on what do I want? I don't know how to answer this question. And for many people, for example, who are parents, one of the questions is, who are you? Who are you stripped of the identity of mother, sister, wife, cousin, daughter? Who are you? And they cannot answer that question. And so we work to find an answer to that question. What do you like? What do you like independent of being a wife, a mother, someone's daughter? What do you like? And you would be surprised the amount of waterworks that occur at just that simple question. I'm not at all surprised it happens in almost every one of my sessions, you know, because <laughs> you're invoking something that is so raw and deep that especially women, like we've forgotten where yes. she, it takes you back to like a very vulnerable time, maybe when you were a child and like yes. a lot felt like you could run and frolic and be silly and no one yes. was just right? And so it does invoke a lot of raw emotion. When I read your post and I'm like, F that, take up space. Is it easy for me to say that? It is because you're a coach. Oh. And the reason why I say that is because you've done the excavation of who you are and you have a level of self-awareness. The one thing that I can say that coaching, you know, I've been on a self-awareness journey for a while, but what coaching has done is accelerated that level of freedom that I feel. And I think, again, for you, it's easy because you have that insight into who you are. But if you don't understand who you are, and you also don't understand that you are either a passenger or a driver in your life. If you are sitting on the passenger side, you can look at that post and say, well, it's easy for you to say, I have this, 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 and this. Okay. But if you're a driver, you can also say, I have this, this, and this, but I refuse to allow those things to stop me. How can I go around? How can I go under? How can I go over? There has to be a way forward in order for me to get some momentum towards what I want. And those are two very different positions to take in your life. One is active. One is reactive. And a lot of people are reactive because being active takes courage and bravery. And you got to stick in a space of discomfort. Yes. Humans don't want to be uncomfortable. No, but that's where the, that's where the magic happens is like when right. there's a saying that my coach says, 
sit and fucking stay. And a lot of us don't want to do that because it hurts and it's, and yes. we just want to get out of it. You know, the other thing I, that came up when I read your post was that, and this has been a huge part of my self-discovery this year, I wanted to be on the forefront to draw my sword and help every woman march toward be that savior. Nah, I had to learn. I had to learn. <laughs> What's your thought on that? <laughs> oh, yeah. See, 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 see. Oh. I understand and resonate with that so much because you, you know, when you, I think when you get into a helping profession, you want to help everyone because you've seen the benefit, you've seen the magic that it's activated in you. And you just want to, you know, you want to spread that shit like sunshine everywhere. Yeah, but what you realize quickly, not everybody wants to be helped. And that is perfectly okay. Fine. It is not about my agenda, my timeline, and it's not about me fixing anyone because no one's broken. It's that no, there was this great weight on my shoulders when I left. I'm like, I'm going to help every woman in this world <laughs> achieve whatever they want to achieve in this world. And uh, maybe, but probably no. No. <laughs> and it's not my job to like swoop in and save anyone, quote unquote. You Correct. Know? Correct. That's not that's not the that's not the assignment. And that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to be a receptacle for people who want help. Because yeah. the one thing that I don't do, I don't play in my own face and I don't waste my time. And I'm not going to drag someone through a process that they don't want to be in. Oh, I really love that place of strength that you came from in that spot. And it's like, take space when you feel called on your timeline. Correct. So what would you say, and this is an awesome segue, what we just talked about, the people who get it and want to do the work and come to you and say like, yeah, let's do this. What would mm -hmm. you continue to share with them? And how would you say like, you know, when they're ready, come to coach Alexis. And then the other folks who are and you've probably had these examples that come to you that they're not ready to do the work and you see it. What would you give as a note to both of those types of people? So I would, let me again, start in a reverse order. I would say the folks who are not ready for coaching, even though they think that they are, examine yourself, sit with yourself for a little while. Like if you are uncomfortable with your thoughts and beliefs being challenged, you're not coachable. You're, you're not coachable. And I don't mean that from a uh, from the perspective that the coach is going to tell you what to do, but a, a, a coach is meant to challenge how you think about things. A coach is meant to challenge your beliefs about something. And if you are uncomfortable with someone asking you challenging questions, you're not ready for a coach. Now, those who are ready and ready can be, hey, I'm nervous. I don't know what this thing is going to unearth. I don't know who I'm going to be on the other side, I want to talk to you because that is the perfect place to be for coaching, especially for coaching magic, because you are open to what is on the other side and you don't have a prescribed agenda for who you need to be on the other side. Yes, you are nervous. You are apprehensive because it's doing something that's different, but you felt a calling for different for a while. I want to talk to you. Alexis, where do we find you? I am on all the social at literally at iMatterCoaching. My website is iMatterCoaching.com. Literally, I matter coaching everywhere. And I am on the LinkedIn street. 
You probably have seen me somewhere. I think for folks who are not connected with me, my name shows up as like Alexis M. But the one thing that folks gravitate towards is a cat herding tech ballerina. That's the phrase that now I want to be very clear. Let me just throw this in. I don't like cats. I am allergic to cats. The headline has nothing to do with actual cats. Just want to level set. I've disappointed so many people, so many people when they found out. Oh my gosh, I have a fellow cat person. No, you don't. You're like, yes, and, or no, and, right? It's like, no, no. Amazing, amazing. Closing remarks as we wind down. I firmly believe everyone needs a coach. And I don't mean that from the perspective of, hey, I, I, I mean that people need actual coaches. I'm very adamant that some of the social media folks that you see who have the label of coach are not really coaches. I think everyone needs a, a competent, capable coach, a coach who is not trying to sell them a product per se, a coach who is wanting to help them unlock the mastery within themselves. Thank you, Alexis. Absolutely. This has been a blast.